Hello and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a child therapist in Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy, coming at those things from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about gardening as a metaphor for working with children for helping children to develop. Children are developing beings and they are ever-changing beings, as we all are, or as we all hopefully are. But for them, obviously, the change is much more rapid, the change is much more dynamic, and if you have any kind of relationship with a child in any sort of capacity, then you are serving in a role of being part of that child's development, whether you like it or not, it's happening. And simply as an adult, by your presence, the way that you communicate and talk to children, the way that you think about them, the way that you just are in your being has an impact on the children who are developing around you. And being aware of that, I think is very important. And I want to use gardening as an example for a lens to have in terms of the way that we're thinking about and experiencing and communicating with the children in our world. And regarding most of the topics for this podcast, I see the ideas in them, whether it's talking about research on psychedelics, whether it's talking about them being addicts to technology and to screens and to video games, whether or not it's 100% accurate isn't really all that important to me. I mean, it is from the context of I don't want to be really off with something. I would never want to provide a lens that takes someone further away from having more empathy for the children in their world, whether it's the ones they're working with or the ones they live with. They're all just lenses. It's all just lenses. And this is another lens, the lens of gardening. And I'll be honest, I just, I really like gardens. They, there's something that makes me feel happy about them. And a garden at its best, from my perspective, really combines allowing nature to be itself, a garden that looks and feels natural, a garden where the plants feel natural, where everything feels like it's just kind of flowing out of the ground, but it's also contained, but it's also structured. It's also maybe aesthetically pleasing in some way in the way that it's laid out. Whatever the garden looks like, honestly, they're combinations of nature, wild nature, growing nature, ever-growing nature, and human cultivation and human aesthetics. And so, for me at least, it can be helpful to think of a child as a plant in a garden, and I'm going to extend this metaphor in a variety of different directions. So I'm not going to cite any of this here, but you can do a Google search and find some things. Saying kind words to plants is helpful in them growing and them being vital and them being strong. And the same is really true for children. And we could probably put both of those things under hope. 
that holding hope for someone, holding hope for the person that they will become through accepting the person that they are, through being kind, through not allowing our ideas or conceptions or anxieties get in the way of us being kind. I know many people in my life who say that they kill plants all the time, right? That they kill their plants and they, they're never any good with their plants and they never know what to do with their plants and they have a lot of anxiety about their plants. And it can be difficult for me not to say to those people, and if you're one of those people that I know and you're listening, then I guess I'm saying it to you now that it might be helpful to just not say that you're killing your plants. And it might be helpful to not conceive of yourself as a plant killer, that that's a, a different kind of energy that you're putting towards your plant. You're not holding your plant with hope in that instance, and it's possible that that's having an effect on the plant. I don't think children are any different in that regard. I think that children respond well to hope. I mentioned this in the last podcast that I can remember the people who've held me with hope. And I think having hope for children also helps us tap into a space where we can allow that natural part of them. If we're saying a garden is like part cultivation, part natural we can allow that natural part of them to to emerge, to be itself. We can trust that the plant knows what it needs. It's going to move where it's going to move. And faith and hope in the plant to grow and being kind and accepting is a foundation for being with children. It's a foundation that allows for development to move unblocked. And as it moves, it doesn't scare us. It doesn't make us feel worried. We understand that plants are just going to flow and evolve as they flow and evolve. And we trust in the direction that it's moving. We trust in the movement. We follow the movement and we encourage it. I can feel that next part of that gardening process with children as, well, the word that comes to mind is creativity. Different plants need different things. Different kinds of plants need different kinds of things. What's happening with the weather or the environment around the plant affects what the plant needs and what the plant might be struggling with. And what it calls on us to do as gardeners is to be creative. And to be able to be creative in connection with the plant, still holding the plant with hope, but being connected to the reality of like, ooh, it's struggling in this. I think it has too much water, too little water. The creativity, like how we can we be of support and leaning into that allows us to respond in a way that is beneficial to the plant. Plants and children are both living organisms. And the hard thing about gardening is that your plant can't talk to you. It can't say to you what it's struggling with. It doesn't have expressions on its face. Plants have their way of letting us know whether they're doing well or whether they're doing poorly. But a child has a wide, wide range of communication. And what's tricky about children is that a lot of times that communication isn't necessarily direct, right? That's the, that's the beautiful thing about play therapy is that Children often need to have something maybe once removed to be able to approach it and be able to approach it from a place of imagination and reliving and re-experiencing. It's 
experiential therapy it works well with children for a reason they are creatures of experience as we all are but children get very into their experiences so while you can't maybe just say to a child hey what are you struggling with and they'll tell you the thing that does happen sometimes and children have a wide range of ways of letting us know and children can be remarkably direct remarkably direct courageously direct they probably don't view it as courageous we just do because we're adults and we've gotten used to some social norms that they haven't integrated into themselves yet but all of that is to say that i think even parents who have multiple children can definitely attest to the fact that as the gardeners of the development of those children they were required to or called upon required isn't the right word they were called upon to access different internal parts of themselves to be dynamic in ways that they perhaps had never been dynamic before and to access different parts of themselves and be dynamic for each child in a different way and then often for all of the children at the same time, but each child has such different needs and different wants and different struggles. It calls for a high level of creativity. For child therapists, it's really the same way. We start with that foundation, we start with that hope and that faith and that acceptance, and we continue to develop a relationship with the children that we're working with and each child requires different parts of us as we're working with them i've worked with children who really have helped me work on being more firm having a relationship to boundaries that's firm and consistent and i think for every therapist their road is different in my road i didn't really need to work as much on being accepting of children, I still had to work some in that area. I think everyone does, but that area came a little bit more naturally to me, and the work there was a little bit easier for me than the work of forming solid boundaries and really being committed to holding those boundaries and seeing the value of those boundaries. And I've worked with other children who really challenged me to be more present in the room to come towards them. I've worked with children who challenged me to give them their own space with something. And I think the beautiful part of being a therapist and the beautiful part of being a gardener is that you learn from what you are working with, that when we work with children, ideally we are learning something about the human experience from that child if we expect them to be learning anything from us, if we truly have respect for them, we are learning from them as they are learning from us. They are helping us understand another aspect of the human experience. If you are a gardener with plants and you are attuned to those plants and you are attuned to the needs of those plants, you're learning about them as you're helping them grow. You're learning what they like. You're learning what they don't like. You're learning what they respond to. And I think I'm going to set up this gardening metaphor in three parts. So if part one was faith, hope and acceptance and part two was creativity let's call part three tradition and structures i'll start with therapy this time that in therapy it's really helpful to have a structure 
to support yourself with as a gardener in terms of what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Some plants like trellises. Some plants need a lot of space to grow. Some plants you have to build a little hill. The way that you use seeds is different in terms of like how far should they go into the soil and how much water do they need and how much sunlight do they need. Like each plant is different. Fortunately, people have been growing plants for a long time. There is a long history of tradition with growing plants that as a human you can reach into and you can apply to your own work while understanding that you will also be required to be creative, that you're not just going to be handed a bunch of steps to do this and voila, you're done and it's finished, that it also requires you to be a dynamic individual as a gardener and with therapists and children i think it's i think it's very similar say if you take on a theory right if you're child centered then you learn to talk like a child centered therapist and you learn to think like a child centered therapist and you learn to be a child centered therapist and you get to inherit a structure for healing from past generations that you can develop in that you can integrate and that you can make your own but it gives you a container and it gives you a methodology and it gives you a way of measuring healing and development and growth and it's something you can depend on and it's something that has been tried by humans and therapy is a is a relatively new field it's definitely much newer than gardening and it will continue to grow and develop and evolve and then when you've integrated that theory you can become part of the living tradition of practicing child therapy and you can make it your own and be part of its continuation and further it gives you a way of working with children it gives you something consistent with the children that you see it gives you something that you can carry between all of your sessions because the creativity, the responding to the individual will be different with each child that you see. But there's a starting consistency of faith and hope and accepting. There's a middle space where there's space for the uniqueness and individuality of the child. And then there's an end space, which is also consistent, which is the structure And that creates a container, but that creates a unique container. And parenting, you could say, is similar. There's a long tradition of raising children on this planet, and it is also a living tradition. And by a living tradition, I mean it is a tradition that is changing, that is evolving. And as it evolves and changes, it evolves and changes from what was. If you are a parent in this world, or you are a person who wants to someday have children in this world, then there are likely, there are hopefully, many things about the way that you were raised that you want to continue forward. There is a living tradition there that you want to embody inside of yourself. There are ways of interacting that you learned that fostered something in you that you value and that make you feel something that seems important and that is important. There is a structure there. And for many people, most people, all people, there are also some things 
inside of the living tradition of how children are raised in your family system, perhaps that you would rather have evolved into something new or be eliminated entirely. And that's the beauty of being part of an evolving living tradition. It's an opportunity to change that tradition and to make it whatever you want it to be. But regardless, there is a tradition there. And with gardening or with being a therapist or with being a parent, there is an art to it. There's a nuance to it. It is difficult to simultaneously trust your instincts while also holding your instincts with curiosity and developing an ability to question them and work on them. It's not impossible, but it's hard. It's hard. And without trusting your instincts, it's hard to parent confidently. It's difficult to have the growth process, the development process of a plant or a person feel like it's in a rough spot. It's hard not to take that personally and see it as some kind of rejection. It's hard to hold in your mind that, or just hold in your person rather, that the way you talk to, the way you think about the plant or person that you're with, especially when it's developing, but with everything alive all the time, affects that living thing, while also acknowledging and not repressing or suppressing negative thoughts and emotions and witnessing them. There's so many difficult things about, about being a gardener, but it's also beautiful. It's a reciprocal relationship. It can never be solved completely because each circumstance is unique and each child is unique and the creative aspect of the process which is just as important and necessary as the other parts of the process. I think without that hope, if you take that hope away or you take the creativity away or you take the structure away, that it affects the way that we are as gardeners. And I think we can all imagine ourselves perhaps and recognize which areas were where our relationship feels secure and we feel comfortable like we could say, yeah, it's easy for me to be creative, but man, I have trouble being inside of a structure. Or I can always think of new things and I'm able to be creative and have a lot of different things happen in the space, but I really have a hard time being accepting of a lot of different things. And I, sometimes I, maybe I even present creative options as a way to avoid some of the darker things or or the more emotional things that could happen inside of the space. Or I have this relationship to the structure that's so rigid that I'm not able to be creative or I'm not able to be accepting. Like all adults would have a different relationship and struggle to different parts of that. But I hope that there is some general framework there. And regardless of what theory you use, child-centered or not, I think it can be helpful to try to use these metaphors and try to use other things outside of our specific field because people have been having emotions in the world for a long time. People have been helping each other with their emotions for a long time. People have been developing for a long time and evolving for a long time. And in that sense, we are part of a much larger living tradition as a species. And at least for me, it can be remarkably easy to lose sight of that at times.
And that is all that I have for this episode of Playtime. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps the show get more reach. Check out BarnettChildTherapy.com for the child-centered children's books, which are there, including I Get Mad and I Have a Secret. And if you want to get in touch with me, please do my email. It's barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. And yep, I will see you all next time.